I grew up in the church, but I didn't grow up with the term pastor. That was kind of foreign to me. And when I made a friend who went to a Pentecostal church, pastor is what I associated with like his guy. I grew up with a minister. And for me, the minister wore the white robe and had the like colorful scarf thing. And that was my idea of, you know, the person that stands in front during the church service. And, and once I kind of exposed myself to more kind of traditions of Christianity and even as I started exploring what I felt like was a call towards ministry, the term pastor became much more and more common. I was used to someone called a minister or a reverend. But many of you, pastor is just kind of the, the normal language that you use. You, maybe you see me as a pastor. And, and this language for me, I, I never really got it. I just kind of associated it with the person at the front of the church, or the person who preaches. But the word pastor literally means shepherd. Uh, if you go to a Mexican restaurant and you order, order tacos al pastor, it literally means Shepherd style tacos, which is based on like how they would cook pork on a spit. Uh, the, the Mexicans inherited it from the Lebanese. Pastor means shepherd. It's associated with the word pasture, which is where sheep are brought to to be fed. But the idea of a shepherd as a, a, pa- a pastor as a shepherd is because of our language, there's not the close association in English. If you're Spanish and you call someone a pastor, like it, it's the same word you use for a shepherd. And so you are immediately in your mind connecting those two terms together. We are so separated from the imagery of shepherd in kind of our daily life that when we say shepherds, Maybe we automatically think of like the Easter, or the, not the Easter, the Christmas cantata that we do with kids where we put a towel on their heads and call them a shepherd. And, you know, they, they, when the glory of the Lord shines, they put their hands up in front of their face. I did some research this week, actually, and like the whole like, let's put towels on kids to make them look like they're from the Bible is like, they didn't even wear those things back then. So it's just kind of like, Western people pretending they know what life in the ancient Middle East was like. Let's, let's put your bathrobe and a towel on your head and see it from the Bible. Anyway, that is the picture we have often of shepherd, is like the, the illustrations that are painted in our children's Bible, or the, like the Sunday school stories, or the, the Christmas cantata, shepherd where we are separated from the earthy and smelly and rugged reality of what a shepherd means. And even more so, separated from that imagery when it comes to leadership and shepherds and pastors and those who are meant to be guides and coaches and those who help us along in our spiritual walk. For a long time, the term shepherd has been used to refer to those who have some kind of religious guidance for others. It's not just kind of a modern Protestant phenomenon. It's something that was used in ancient Israel for spiritual leaders, and it's something that Jesus laid claim to in his time on earth. 
See, over these past several weeks that we've been at the waterfront, we've been looking at these moments in Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John where he makes these I am statements, where he says these things about himself. And, And I think this is helpful for us to walk through because we have all kinds of things that we import to our understanding of who Jesus is, whether it's kind of just the, like, the cultural phenomena around who Jesus is, the constant, like, every year there's, like, the Time magazine of, like, who really is Jesus? And, like, I think we kind of have it figured out. But we read these, these things constantly, or it constantly comes up, of National Geographic doing, like, a documentary that's, like, there's not actually anything new, but they get the clicks and that kind of thing. Who is Jesus? We are learning who Jesus is from his own words where we, we heard Jesus say that I am the bread of life, meaning that he is the only one that will truly satisfy our deepest longings. We read Jesus calling himself the light of the world, meaning he is the one who, brings, uh, who dispels the darkness in our world, who brings light even into the most dark situations and is the source of true life. We talked about how Jesus uh, is the I am. That he calls himself Yahweh of the Old Testament, the Redeemer of Israel. That he calls himself God. Last week, if it wasn't rainy, I had a great sermon, believe me, that was going to be about how Jesus calls himself the gate of the sheep pen. We're going to talk this week about how Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. But there's this whole section of like, Jesus is talking about the shepherd, talking about the shepherd, and then he's like, I'm also the gate that the sheep walk through. But anyway, someday we'll, we'll get to that one. But this week we are looking at Jesus calling himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. So we're going to be looking in John chapter 10. It'll be up on the screen as well. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you're invited to follow along. We're going to start in verse 11, but I'm going to reference different parts throughout this chapter in our time. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and run away, runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason the Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, there's a lot here that Jesus says about being the good shepherd, but we're going to break it down into three main points. I'm a good Baptist preacher who's got three points for you this morning. The first is Jesus talking about he's the shepherd who knows his sheep. A shepherd who knows his sheep. Now, if you were a shepherd in the ancient Near East, like you spent lots of time out in the wilderness with your sheep. 
In fact, you were kind of ostracized and marginalized in, in society because you were like the weird outsider who spent a lot of time with a lot of animals out in the middle of nowhere. Like you came back and people could tell, oh, you've been with the sheep for a while. You would be away from family. You'd be away from, from society. You would spend time with your sheep. And I bet you would know the sheep incredibly well, spending a lot of time out there with not a whole lot of other people around. But I think what Jesus is getting at here when he says he knows his sheep is this helpful reminder that our shepherd knows us intimately. Sometimes we can feel like the idea we have of God is someone who is far off. Someone who is this like distant spiritual being that I'm supposed to pray to, that I'm supposed to you know, give my life to that has these kind of expectations of my life that I may not fully relate to at the moment, and that how can he really know who I am and what my desires are and those kind of things. But we have a shepherd who knows us intimately. He knows our fears. He knows our desires, the good and the bad. He knows our struggles of faith and our doubts. He knows our sins and where we've fallen short. He knows the parts of our past and the parts deep down within us that we're scared to go to. The things we're scared to bring up with our therapist. He knows those things. And he's there wanting to meet us in those spaces. We have a shepherd who knows us inside and out and loves us despite it. Because if you're like me, you know that there are things deep down in there that you don't want other people to see. You don't want other people to know. The like late at night doubts or the crisis of faith or the hopelessness or the battles with sin where you don't want other people to know but our shepherd knows. And he chooses to love us in the midst of that. The, sheep, the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows us intimately. And I think we live in the kind of world where we, we spend so much of our lives with kind of like this, this veneer, this like step of removal through like social media or just through like shallow relationships where we, we like to keep people kind of arm's length. And there's kind of constant studies that are coming out that are showing that emerging generations are increasingly becoming the loneliest and loneliest generations to have existed on the planet. Despite the fact that we are so like electronically connected, we feel lonely. We feel like no one actually knows us. That no one actually understands what is going on deep down within us. We have a shepherd who knows his sheep who knows us intimately and loves us. That need that we have for someone who knows us and loves us is fulfilled in our good shepherd. He also says that the sheep know his voice and they follow. 
Now, the sheep knew their shepherd. They knew who he was, and they knew who everyone else was that wasn't him. Like, I'm going to follow the shepherd because I recognize that voice. He's the one who's proven himself to be around. He's the one who's proven himself to lead me to where there's food, to protect me when there's danger, to be around where I've needed him. The sheep know his voice. And in John 10, verses 3 to 5, this is before the section that I read earlier. Jesus says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them out, uh, when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Can you recognize Jesus' voice? Are you familiar with Jesus in a way where you know when it's him that is leading you and you know when it's another voice? And sometimes I'm not necessarily even getting into kind of the more mystical side of like hearing voices as we pray kind of thing. And we can, we'll get into that some other day. But do we know when it's Jesus who's leading us and influencing us and whose voice we're listening to, or when it's the voice of others. And I think the key for us is is to familiarize ourselves with the voice of the shepherd through knowing his words, through knowing what sounds like Jesus, to be able to recognize Jesus when we hear it. So for us, that is going to look like, do we know what Jesus has said? As recorded in, in the Gospels, like in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four biographies written by those who knew, knew Jesus or his followers who recorded the words that Jesus taught during his time on earth, do we know Jesus' words in a way where we can recognize, uh, no, Jesus actually said something that's, that's contrary to what I'm buying into. Something that's been really helpful for me is, is just recently I started working through the Gospel of Luke, just doing a chapter each day during the week to try to immerse myself in the words of Jesus. Part of what we're trying to do in this series is immerse ourselves in the words of Jesus so that what we are familiar with is what Jesus has said so that when we are faced with dilemmas in our lives, when we are faced with all kinds of different voices that are telling us to go in this way or this way or this way, value this or this or this, you need to get this and this we're able to distinguish what is the voice of my shepherd and what is the voice of a stranger. Do we know the voice of the shepherd? Here's something else about the shepherd that I think is really interesting to look at. He says he knows that there are sheep that are not currently in his sheep pen. In verse 16 He says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. What Jesus, I think, is speaking to here and he's talking to the religious leaders at the time is he is saying to them, listen, you think you know the boundaries of who is in with God. I'm about to expand those boundaries for you. 
For Jesus in his day, it was breaking down the wall between Jewish followers of the Messiah and non-Jewish. Greek-speaking and people from all different parts of the known world at the time. Because the Jews were very cloistered. Their lifestyle was all about devotion to God by separation. By making themselves so distinct from anyone else and by not associating with other people. To say, we are God's people. But Jesus says, listen, I've got sheep that are out there. And they're going to know my voice. And they are going to be part of one flock with us together with one shepherd. Here's where I think this is helpful for us to understand, is as followers of Jesus who are part of church communities, we can get really focused on what happens in this room. We can get really focused on, let's like just have you know, the best service and music and kids program. Let's focus on our building stuff and our volunteers thing, and let's focus on all of the logistics of what it means to make Sunday mornings run really well. Let's just care about the people who are here in this room. But Jesus says, I have other sheep that aren't in the pen yet. And they're going to recognize my voice. And they're going to be folded in, and I'm going to be their shepherd too, and they're going to be part of the same flock as you. We shouldn't be surprised when Jesus' priorities turn out to be things outside of this room than what happens here on Sunday morning. We shouldn't be surprised when Jesus is actually calling us to step out of our comfort zone of just hanging out with a lot of Christians to being with those who don't know Jesus yet and demonstrating who the shepherd is to us in our relationships with them. That people might actually come to know the shepherd. Might actually come to hear and follow his voice like he says. He says there's people out there. There are going to be people who hear my voice and they're going to follow. As a church, are we focused too much about what is happening in the pen that we forget that the shepherd is looking for those outside the pen as well? Who might we have discounted and said, they're not interested in Jesus? And so I just kind of like write them off as like, well, you know, who, who cares about talking to them about any of this stuff? What if Jesus is already at work there? What if the shepherd has already left the 99 to go find the one and the one is just being waited to be welcomed into the flock by the rest of the sheep? Will we have that kind of a perspective as the church? The second thing that uh, is big in this passage is Jesus as the good shepherd is setting himself up as opposite to thieves and robbers and better than the hired hands. When Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd, it's an indictment on the religious leaders of the day. The, the prophet Ezekiel, he talked about uh, the leaders of Israel like shepherds. And, and he had this prophecy from the Lord where he kind of proclaimed judgment on the leaders of Israel and said, you guys are being negligent shepherds. You're not caring for the poor. You are lining your pockets. You're more concerned about your religiosity. And you are not being shepherds to the flock. And so Ezekiel, speaking on behalf of the Lord, he says, and someday I'm going to come in and I'm going to be the shepherd that you weren't. 
Jesus, in calling himself the good shepherd, is latching on to this prophecy from Ezekiel and saying, listen, the shepherd is here now. And the religious leaders at the time who have fallen short, who have been negligent, who have taken advantage, the time has come for them to see what a real shepherd is like. One who cares for his sheep. In John 10, verse 1, it says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter by the, the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. This was going to be last week's sermon. And down in verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is talking about religious leaders here in a way where he's calling them out for the way that they have taken advantage of the flock. Where it has been either some kind of self-aggrandizement project, it has been some way to to, uh, build themselves up on the back of others. The story that we have in the Gospels of the, the widow who puts her two pennies in the offering in the temple, and we so often read that as like, Oh, like she, you know, she gave so little, and it's great that she gave so little. But actually, what's happening in that story, and if you read Jesus' words after that, he calls out the religious leaders for making her have to give offering rather than them being the ones that are supporting the widow. He actually calls them out as those who devour widows' households. He's saying, You are taking advantage rather than being the shepherds that are needed. Jesus calls the Pharisees out and he says, listen, if you are coming into the sheep pen and you're hopping over the wall, to use that metaphor, you're a thief and a robber. Unless you come through me through the gate, last week's sermon, then you are just uh, an impersonator. You are someone who is deceiving. You are someone who is trying to take advantage. He also calls out the negligence of the quote-unquote hired hands. That maybe this was the religious leaders of Israel. Maybe it was those who were leading the synagogue. Maybe it's just the fact that the good shepherd is better. That if you have a hired hand, they're not going to like defend the sheep against a wolf if their life is in jeopardy. They're, they're going to turn their tail and run, and they're going to come back to fight another day. They don't have the skin in the game that the good shepherd does. And I think many of us at some point in our lives or in in different ways, or maybe we've just kind of been firsthand to the stories, we've experienced the ways in which the quote-unquote shepherds of the flock have, have been negligent, have taken advantage. How those who are Christians in leadership have, have actually maybe done more harm than good. And I take this to heart in reading this passage because I know that there's constantly this reminder to me as a pastor, as one who is a shepherd, so to speak, of am I a hired hand who's just turning my tail and running? Am I one who is using my position to take advantage? Jesus is calling out those in leadership 
to remind them that though they're put in a position of authority, it's not meant to take advantage of the sheep and it's not meant to neglect. That with that position and with that power comes great responsibility in the words of Uncle Ben from Spider-Man. Whenever we are let down by Christians, and we have been and we will be, we need to remember that the good shepherd is better. That when we are let down by Jesus' people, Jesus isn't going to let us down. In fact, Jesus says, I'm coming in as the good shepherd to pick up the slack where these guys failed. And there will be times where I fail you as a shepherd. There will be times where others fail you as a shepherd. And we need to grasp the fact that Jesus is the true and good shepherd where the hired hands don't live up to it. He is where our hope is. He is the one that is truly going to hold us. Lastly, and I'll wrap up on this, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In contrast to the hired hands, Jesus doesn't cut his losses and run. He lays down his life for the sheep. He's all in. And, and this isn't just, I'll protect you from the predators kind of thing. So that when the wolf comes, you know, I'll stand up and I'll fight off the wolf to protect the sheep. What Jesus says here is like, my life isn't taken from me. I lay it down on purpose. What Jesus is saying here is, I am willingly allowing myself to die for sheep. I am a shepherd who would give his life for the animals. This is the opposite of what we see throughout the whole Old Testament narrative in which a sheep's life was given as a sacrifice in the place of human life for sin. Jesus shows the great cosmic reversal of this and the significance of his death as the eternal Son of God dying for sinful humanity. For you, for me, for our sin. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd who's willing to die to save sheep. I'm the eternal Son of God who's willing to die for humanity. So that anyone who places their allegiance in Jesus, for anyone who says, I'm willing to be a sheep for that shepherd, our sins are forgiven. We're given eternal life. We are invited into the sheepfold to live life with the shepherd where he says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy but I have come to give you life and life to the full. All that is ours through the shepherd who has given his life. So have you experienced this kind of outstanding love of the shepherd? Have you made that your own? Or is this just kind of like the religious language that we use in church? Have you received that to say, no, he actually died for me. He knows me intimately. He's not going to let me down. Do you know his voice? Can you recognize it from all the other myriad of voices that are shouting at us in our world right now? And will you say yes to follow? The sheep hear his voice 
and follow him wherever he goes? Are we willing to follow wherever he goes, knowing that he leads us to life and abundance and life to the full? Would you pray with me? Jesus, our shepherd, you have our best interests in mind in a way that's beyond what we know of ourselves and better than the best interests that we can, we can grasp in our own minds and our visions for our lives. You know where there's pasture to feed us. You know how to protect us. You're going to lead us into what is good and best for us. And we will find our life following our shepherd closely. You're a shepherd who laid down your life for your sheep. You're a shepherd who chooses not to take advantage, but lays down your life. You have nothing to gain from us other than to be able to share your love and goodness and fullness with us. And God, I know even in my own heart the tendency to still shy away, to still want to hang at the back and not follow closely. So even in this moment this morning, God, would you be inviting us to follow the shepherd closely? To get to know your voice. To say yes, to experience the love that comes from a closeness with the shepherd. God, I pray even for some of us this morning where we feel like you would be, a, you would be so uninterested in us that in the fact that you know us, would it hit home for us? Would that, would that fill that dark spot within us where we don't feel like anyone else gets us or understands or knows? Would you remind us how deeply you know us and see us and aren't going to leave us? Thank you that you're a better shepherd than anyone else ever has been and ever will be. Help us to follow. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.